This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to tonight's Twilight Show with me, Maxine House. It's a privilege to be your host and to be here with you until 7.30 this evening. Welcome. Welcome to tonight's Twilight Show. Tonight, we'll be this winding down. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, welcome to tonight's Twilight Show with me, Maxine Howes. It's a privilege to be your host here this evening until 7.30pm for the Friday night Twilight Show. We'll be winding down to the weekend with a well-being focus. It's a privilege to be here with you. I look forward to this is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, so I see we have um, some listeners joining us now, some online and some listening in directly. Great, it's really good to be here on my first show tonight um, for Teachers Talk Radio. And as I said, we're here this evening, the Friday night twilight show, as we start winding down to the weekend with a well-being focus. Our guest this evening, joining us later, hopefully, will be Claire Cannon. Um, recently appointed as an assistant head teacher in a secondary alternate provision. With a remit specifically for wellbeing, um, we'll be speaking to Claire about her plans and about how she started off the term soon this evening. So welcome, welcome to you. Welcome to the listeners this evening. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be here this evening. The Friday night wind down to the weekend and thank you that's helpful just getting a couple of um a couple of listeners in here now that's fantastic to hear great okay i'm going to now start off by inviting our first um speaker to join in this evening we're going to be hearing from claire like i say claire is assistant head teacher at an alternate provision in bedfordshire and she's going to be talking work that she's she's starting to plan and she's soon going to be doing. So background to this evening's show, to the, the Friday night well-being wind down into the weekend. 
the TESS, uh, Times Educational Supplement, published um, a report for well-being, a 2023 update. And they had responses from nearly 6,000 staff. Only one in five of those 6,000 staff felt their schools were well-funded. One in three felt they had enough resources to do their job. One in five found their workload to be manageable. Just under half felt supported by leaders. So that's showing well-being and, and looking after teachers just still after these years of pandemic and with the stresses of Ofsted and the challenges that come through. That shows what an immense challenge our, our school leaders and our teachers, those of us who are in the profession, who are in the classroom and are working with young people day to day, just show quite some of the pressures that we are under at the moment and that, that you might be feeling as you're joining and are hopefully enjoying your well-being wind down to the weekend this evening here with me. So I've been doing a little bit of surveying of some of the schools that, that I work in. I'm, I'm really lucky after many, many years as a teacher and, and some as a head teacher, I now work in a, in a number of schools. I do some teaching, I work with, with ECTs, I do some coaching and really my focus is all about well-being, about looking after all of us who work work with teachers. So some of the things that people were saying as a teacher, when I asked them, I just asked them as a teacher, what improves your well-being? Some common themes I heard. Friday night meetup after work. Sometimes that was coffee, sometimes that was a few beers. Knowing my colleagues, having time, being able to do my job. Things like no marking policies, anything that's made my workload a bit less. Knowing you're good enough. When children, students behave, when children or students do well and feel proud. There's a whole range of different ideas. And I thought this evening that I'd really be interested to hear from you. Be really interested to hear what is it? What is it that helps your well-being as a teacher? So have a think, have a think about those things that our schools can do for us and have a think about those things that can do for ourselves. What works for you? Call in and tell us. What do you do? What does your school do? What do what would you like to say to your head teacher about what really works for you? Are you a real fan of the well-being day? Do you like cakes and yoga or do you, like most of us these days, think there might need to be a little bit more? Really keen to hear from you later on. But first, I'd like to introduce our guest. I'd like to introduce Claire Cannon to you. So I'm just going to welcome Claire into the call. Hello, Claire will be joining us in just a minute. I should be hearing her. I should be hearing her able to join us in just a moment. Hello, I'm here. I can. Hear you loud and clear. I hope you can hear me. Hello, Claire. I can hear you, Claire. And I know that we've got um, Tom from Teachers Talk Radio who's also listening. So he might be able to message us just to confirm that he can. Yes, he can hear you well, Claire. So, Claire, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you. And it's really, really good to have you here with us this evening. Um, really exciting and thank you for joining us on a Friday night to hear 
um, and to join us for our well-being wind down into the weekend. So Claire, you have recently um, started to work at an alternate provision in Central Bedfordshire, the Academy of Central Bedfordshire. Um, and so there's three sort of main things that I'm interested to hear from you this evening. First, I wondered if you might tell us a little bit about yourself. We're really fascinated to learn all about you. And then after that, and I'll prompt you with these questions again, Claire, um, tell us a bit about all of your values, what drives you, and then a bit about the fabulous ACB, which is such a great organisation. Um, and then a little bit about your plans and what it is that you're going to be doing for wellbeing, Claire. So there are three sort of areas, Claire, I hope you're going to, to join us in this evening. But if we start off, tell us a little bit about you, about Claire. A little bit about me. Um, yeah, about your background, about your values, what drives you, what led you to work, to apply and start working at an alternate provision and, and with that real lead on well-being as well. I'm going to wind back the clock a little bit there <laughs> to um, a, long, a long, long time ago. Um, I was at university studying psychology because I enjoyed oh. it. Yeah. Um, I was offered a work placement and it was in a special needs school um, near to the university campus, which I ab absolutely loved. Um, I didn't know what I was going to make of it because I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, ultimately, that led me to um, a teaching assistant role when I moved back home. Ah. Teacher training. Yeah. Yeah. From there. Um, teaching math and science in a mainstream middle school. Yeah. Um, bit of career progression. I moved on to head of science, mm. um, which I really enjoyed. However, I found that I wanted to do more holistic work, um, not okay. just focusing on attainment and progress within a subject, um, which led to a move to a Senko role. Right. Yeah. And Claire, for full disclaimer, that is where, for any listeners' uh, interest, that's where we first met with you joining middle school, where I was, where I was working, where I was ahead at the time. You joined us as a Senko with that real depth of understanding about the psychology that what makes us all tick. And that makes so much sense. It was a lovely time working at Alan. <laughs> You're too kind. You're too kind. No, it was. Um, six years absolutely flew by. Mm. Um, so much change in that time. Obviously, that encompassed COVID and a huge spike in social, emotional, mental health needs, particularly post those years. Um, and I found myself more and more um, responding to situations with pupils and sometimes parents and staff pupils and adults um and I just realized that's what I really love doing I think that's okay for me where some of the coaching stuff fed in as right well. yeah um so that sort of links into the value side of things and for me people being kind you know I mm. think you know anyone who knows me that is one of my biggest things yeah um please just be kind I mean, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to be kind. 
yes it, it brings so much doesn't it and it it's yeah. such a simple thing and yet so so such an important value that that brings so much to to many people yeah it does, it does. and i i think from from there is about the power of relationships and that was always so key for me okay um working with whether that's students staff parents um and just building up that trust and that connection and moving on from my senko role um, mm -hmm. i did, did have spend a brief time in a large secondary school um again i really enjoyed building the sort of powerful connections with with some of the students mainly um it yeah. was a short time i was there yeah um, so really driven by that those values absolutely. by um yeah that, by the, those sort of want to work with others that psychology background all that fantastic stuff going on there for you claire and then you have now moved to the acb where congratulations Thank you, you are yeah congratulations great to great to hear you and you are now the assistant head would you just move on and tell us a little bit about the acb for for listeners who aren't aware um so ACB is an alternative provision okay. uh, caters for pupils with um, social emotional mental health, so SEMH needs, who have either been excluded from their mainstream school okay. or were at significant risk of yeah. exclusion. So they all come to the school with potentially traumatic backgrounds, mental health needs, either mm. themselves or within their um, family. They mm -hmm. all need a huge amount of nurture and support. And the ACB um, runs very small classes, short and sharp lessons, a lot of staff there. It's very much working towards trauma-informed schools. That is at the heart of everything that happens throughout the day. Okay. All the interactions between staff, between students, all the modelling that happens. So absolutely, I feel at home with the whole connection, kindness, valuing each other and building those relationships. And, and so with young people that have, by definition, had a really difficult time at, um, at their mainstream yeah. school and have found themselves, therefore, at this alternate provision, that emphasis on, on kindness, as, as well as the, the clear structures, and that is part of yeah. kindness, is central to what you do. And I think that's what makes it such a such a wonderful place. Thank you. Thank you. One of our callers has messaged God bless. And obviously there you're seeing the value of what you're, you're bringing with that work, Claire, which is a lovely message. Thank kind. you. Yeah. Um, and just having a think about the ACB. So it's a, it's a recent post that's just been made, adding that second um, assistant head role in there. Just if I if I run by the the titles and the main responsibilities, just having had a chat today, there's an executive head teacher. There are then two deputy heads and another assistant heads, and their main areas of responsibility are listed as quality of education behavior and attitudes and personal development now on a friday night weekend wind down i i'm not going to really discuss much more about the organization where we recognize 
those words from as teachers. So fantastic and really fascinating that your main role within the ACB, as well as being assistant hairdo, is also going to help um, the deputy who runs that site with some of the day-to-day -day management and, and modelling, is all about well-being. So tell us a little bit more about that, Claire. That's just such a fantastic responsibility. It is. It's really exciting. And the just being there, this is my first week. So just being there this week, the feeling from the staff that okay. the school have gone to the effort, the length, however you care to call that, of having someone whose specific role is well-being, they feel really supported and they, they are really keen to go with this journey. So that is so exciting. Um, they have been incredible in coming with ideas, telling me what's working and what's not. Um, you get both sides. Um, some oh. really, really positive thoughts around not just what can be seen as tokenistic um, gestures. Okay. You know, the cookies yeah. in the staff room, that's brilliant. People like that, especially on a Friday. Uh, and, um, and Claire, from my experience of, of yeah. having worked with you, your your cookies are pretty spectacular. So if you're gonna if you're gonna drop cakes in the staff room, your your cookies are legendary. They they're gonna bring you fame across Teachers Talk Radio as well, Claire, and quite deservedly. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, I have I'll have to make some actually. They haven't yeah. had the experience yet, so maybe okay. next week. Maybe oh, okay. Next week. But no, it's um for me it's it's really about looking at things from the ground up so okay going back to okay where are there things like pinch points in the week where are there challenges but then what's under underlying that what's underpinning it are there right. policies that need reworking are there things that oh. people have just you know become established patterns that actually somebody coming in new you have that level of objectivity that you can sort of see it and go, well, why? Why do we oh, do that? Okay, so that's interesting. So this is this is pretty early on, Claire. It is. Uh, uh, this is, you know, you, you've yeah. been there a week, and it sounds like, and do correct me if I'm wrong here, that your main sort of thrust of work at the moment is in that fact-finding stage. Is that is that is that right? Yes. Good. So you're you're having a look and you're you're looking at the policies, but you're not just looking at that on the surface. You're trying to look underneath and what is the impact of that that's happening. I am, and and things like that are going to be perhaps longer term um, issues to work on. Yeah. Um. Equally, there's some really nice things coming from the staff about um, little projects that can have a uh, you know, quick wins, immediate impact, or very very soon. So. Some of the staff this week have been really keen to look at um, a disused area of outdoor space. Okay. Um, looking at how the students can actually develop that to support their well-being, which will impact on staff well-being if the students are more regulated, everybody's more regulated. <laughs> yes. It's a cyclical process. Yes. So there's, there's a whole lot of things that are going to be happening over the next 12 weeks. Um, so that that is a really important one and actually the staff have said we really would like an outdoor space that we could share with the students and build those relationships again it all comes back every time i'm talking to people it comes back to relationships to trust to that autonomy as well feeling trusted as a professional to be able to go and 
do do your role. Um, so some really exciting things happening already, um, as well as some one-off events. So um, later on in May, I believe it's the Monday the 15th, that week is Mental Health Awareness Week. It is. So we are going green um, because Mental Health Colour is green. So yeah. apart from the obvious things like Mufti Days, um, some assemblies, and into that I'm starting to bring in parents and families um, because actually a lot of these students, the, you know, they're coming into school with their issues, um, mm. but they're also things that we can support with at home. So Claire, that's interesting. So your remit is about well-being for, for all members of your, your community at the ACB, for staff and parents, and you, you picked out something there about finding an area where um, and ways that we can work so that students become more regulated and, and in mainstream settings that's something also that came back to me that a number of staff were saying when the when the children or when the students depending on and that was right down from reception up to um going up to um year 11 in the settings i've been in this week they're saying when the, the students behave better when relationships are better when structures are clear and, and everybody is respectful to each other that's huge on on well-being and i'm guessing in a potentially more volatile environment with some of the young people that that your team are working with that's amplified further and that's that's come through from what the staff have said so that's that sounds like a, a good thrust of your first start of work claire is that that right Yes, it is. Um, there's going to be so it, it, every time everything comes back to the relationships, building okay. those up and having that that trust and that communication. And I would add in there, it isn't just the parents and the students and the staff, but it's also the governors understanding okay. where we're going and what we would like to achieve. Right. Now, Claire, can I just pick up on governors? Because mm. I understand that your governors aren't like normal governors and I use normal in the inverted commas <laughs> way of saying normal because yes. we know there is no normal um but but tell us a little bit about your governors so um ACB governors are predominantly head teachers yeah or senior staff <laughs> in in other schools so it's um different yes. makeup to your normal governing board and that itself is is yet another challenge isn't it um and again that's huge, isn't it? So where are they on this journey? And presumably that they obviously were behind the decision to set up this post at that, that level, but but how are they? Um pretty keen to get on board. I think they're curious as to what it's going to look like because there is a lot going on in schools around wellbeing and it is yeah. wellbeing days, it is like we say, cookies in the staff room. So to kind of do a root and branch pull it all up and let's have a real dig through this is is quite different and I, I'm very conscious actually that people don't always take to to change even if it's going to be a positive thing down the line no. um so it's also supporting people not it's not just the governors but supporting people in why the change is happening so that they perhaps feel more comfortable with the fact that it is okay so you're starting with the why you're starting with helping them to understand what the purpose is behind this. Very much so. I, I don't want this. To, I, I'm my role is to lead on it. it. I don't see my role as to do it necessarily. OK, that's, that's coming from everybody else. 
And I mean everybody, not just the adults. And that's really interesting, isn't it, pulling all of those together? Claire, can I go back and ask you a little bit more about one of the things that you mentioned, one of the things that you spoke about? Um, you used the word, you've used the word trust now a couple of times. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, and again, when you said you've said it in a, a couple of contexts, you've said that staff feeling like they want to be trusted to do their job and you have also um, mentioned trust again in, in another another conversation tell me a little bit more about either what staff are telling you what the teachers and, and teaching assistants and other people are telling you and and therefore what that that's going to look like and I know it's early days I know it's early days um I've I've had some really lovely conversations with people this even just this morning I was in in the middle of writing the cover or helping write the cover for the day. And one of the science staff popped in and said, literally, can I have a chat with you about wellbeing? Um, obviously, I've not long been at the school, so the fact that they were that open was yeah. really lovely. Um, and we did. I said, OK, I'll, let's make some time. I'll come and see you in a little while. Um, that was a big conversation about how they could use their um, subject knowledge um, to support wellbeing. Um, oh. particularly of the students because it's a very practical subject and a lot of the students at ACB most of them they're not sit down at a desk and a chair and no. and do a worksheet for half an hour you know they they want to be up and about and doing things and it's real and it's re relatable to them so that that was just amazing that's that that conversation happened within my first week so well-being going into the curriculum well-being going into the curriculum and My not goodness. just sort of people expect it to be, don't they? And whether you call it PSHE, life skills, all those type mm. subjects. But no, really want to look at weaving that in so that it's a common thread um, across the school. Okay, and that and that that is fascinating. So again, you've talked us through, and and I know Claire that it is really early days, and you are on the on the fact finding, and you have suggested a couple of things that you are you are going to do what what else is there what are some of the big things that are give us a few spoilers because you might not have even started to talk yet you uh, about what you're going to do you've, you've talked about letting people know the why and you have also mentioned some things about being clear to people about what they're doing we've talked about this element here about trust yeah. What else? What are some of the other big themes that are coming through around things that you are going to do? And you've mentioned some of the quick wins, but go on, tell us a little bit more. Give us a few more spoilers. A few more spoilers. So obviously I'm a new member of staff, so I have, oh, I am in the induction process. I'm literally doing a live review of that so that for new staff newer than me coming in, um, well-being is inherent in that induction process. Right. Um, and I'm also really excited with my coaching hat on here. Um, really excited to be um, given a little bit of responsibility and care for the ECTs. So, spoiler alert for them: they are not getting just your standard ECT. Come in, let's monitor you, help and support. They're getting coaching as part of their development package. Oh my goodness! So, they're getting not just the EC, and when I say not just, that is already pretty hefty support with um, the 
the the um the mentoring programs and those suggestions but they're getting that amplified through a professionally qualified coach which is another angle of your your qualifications where you use some of those other skills so just just talk any of the listeners who may not be quite as familiar with coaching just through how that might differ and what value that's going to bring for those ECTs um for for ECTs for one particular member of staff who I've already spoken to for Mm. them it's it's the having that non-judgmental space to be reflective on their practice it's not just a what went well even better if what am I going to do differently next time but actually then also to look at their future goals how are they working towards that um but doing so in a way that's very much led by them and meeting them where they're at that that's absolutely key and not trying to project certain ideas or um steer them in a certain direction but actually allow them to grow and develop for themselves um obviously looking at what the school needs and but yeah really providing that space for them to Mm. do that and grow that autonomy for themselves it's it's just so powerful being able to have that space held for you where you can just go with your your thoughts and through sort of open questions and that kind of coaching approach rather than mentoring just getting them to work out that journey for themselves that is really exciting that and that is fascinating that and I think you've summarise some of that there that's really interesting about that being much more led by the the ECTs and going where they need to go so using the structure but really being led from them and thinking about their own goals and uh, and their views from there Claire and that's really interesting about that listening in a non-judgmental space as well which of course is central to coaching. It is and I, I all comes back to relationships and building that safety and trust every single time yeah and again that that fundamental human need for psychological safety sounds like such a a key theme that's been really interesting claire thank you so much um absolutely fascinating to to hear you this evening and hear you talking about um your journey there at the acb and your work Um, I wonder if, um, should we have a remit through Teachers Talk Radio to to continue and have more of the Friday wellbeing wind down into the weekend um, and revisit that? It'd be really interesting to hear how you're getting on and some of the great successes that you've had um, later on in the term coming up before the summer. I wondered if you'd be be happy to, to come back. I certainly would be happy to come back, Maxine. Always a pleasure. Oh, that would be amazing. Thank you so much, Claire. It's such a privilege. And I'm seeing some messages just, just pop up here um, on, on some of the text that I'm, I've got here saying, fantastic. Good to see working with some of our most challenging young people which again, thank you, Claire, that's one of the things that you do. Some children that don't necessarily achieve well in mainstream then can join and do really well for you. Helping teachers help the toughest children. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what it sounds like you do. So, Claire, any key messages for us as you, you leave us 
and um, head off into your Friday evening um, and you start your unwind. I hope you'll carry on listening for some of this evening as we've got and hope some other people will will call in or will contact us. That would be great. OK, Claire, so any final messages for us? Um, firstly, yes, I am going to stay tuned in. So if there are any questions pop up, I will be around. Um, and thank ooh, you. A little, a little takeaway. Just do believe in the power of relationships. They don't yeah. happen instantaneously. It's not a quick win that's going to get you 10 brownie points on Monday morning, but it will pay off as dividends <laughs> in the long term. It's well worth it. That building building relationships and then with, with whatever any of your other views are about behaviour management and, and about working and about structures and running schools, that, that's something there that, that is clearly working for you. Claire, we've talked about things that um, you can do, and I did. We, I've, I'm keeping you on the spot here because it is so fascinating to talk to you. Right. We've talked about the things that our schools can do for us, and when I came, I, when I um, listed some of the things from my little bit of of research that I'd done with with some of the the fabulous teachers that I'm really looking forward to working with, I had some things here, like as we said, the Friday night meet up we had knowing my colleagues we had time to do my job no marking policy knowing you're good enough and um, when the children behave when children and students do well when they're proud when i feel appreciated i also um had a couple of things and i can see these have, have popped up now uh, mentioning the power of medication uh, med meditation of physical fitness of health and, and um, physical health helping mental health i wonder with you what are the key things that really help your well-being as as a teacher and as a teacher and and a former Sanko, one of the toughest jobs in a school, if I might say so. And with you now working in an alternate provision, what is what are some of your tips for, for your own well-being as a teacher and a senior leader? Um, for me, I, I do really value being with people and that connection with people, but I also have to have my me time my off time when i'm <laughs> not having to do any people yes. related things um <laughs> so i will yes. i will take my dogs out for a very long walk or a very long run and hope not to see a single person um and just be out in the fresh air and i have to make mm. time for that i have literally blocked out that half a day is for me nothing goes in there just in the same way as you might block out you know, yeah. absolutely nothing gets in the way of that safeguarding meeting or whatever else is a priority at school. That's a priority. I prioritise me. I didn't used to do that a few years ago. So I have learned to prioritise me. And so that's away. a fascinating one. And I wonder what any of our other listeners might say about that. And I think that's a really good question. Um, actually scheduling in your in your day, in your week, um, whether that might be um, part of the weekend or whether that might be actually part of your week, actually scheduling in time for you. Yes. And I wonder, sometimes people would feel guilty about that. But again, something that you find helpful, Claire. Definitely. And here, here, I'll give you another one. It's is a slightly unusual one, perhaps, but that's me. Um, you have people in your life who you connect with and most of us as professionals we see that as our colleagues yeah but 
actually, I think the pupils are part of the solution. There are pupils mm-hmm. who you get on with, who you know really enjoy art. That might not be the lesson you teach. I know it's difficult in a busy school day, but if you can go and see them, if you can catch up with that pupil that you know you've got that connection with, that makes a difference as well. So I will make time in my school day to go and connect with the people who make me feel good and hopefully that's a two-way thing it's fascinating and I wonder that's not one of the things that has come out through my little bit of straw poll across the school but I think if people really reflected on that they might see that that connection with some of the young people you work with with the pupils with the students and that as being one of our uh, human needs that, uh, you know, you as a psychologist um, mm-hmm. would agree is part of our need and boosts our well-being, not just that connection with adults. Definitely. That's fascinating. Claire, you have brought so much. Thank you. I have another potential caller in now who I'm just inviting, inviting as a speaker um, and I'm going to be be welcoming her welcoming her to join us in just a minute i will um come with you can we do a minute i've just hang on i'm just having a pause and a little of a moment with the technology i will get there so please bear with me but i have done that invitation right so that's a fascinating one again claire i'm going to thank you once again Um, for your really interesting tale about your own background, about your values um, and about your your role at the ACB. And like I said, I'm really interested to then speak to you and hear you again soon. So welcome um, and thank you very much. And I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you very much for the invite, Maxine. Oh, thank you. And please stay with us. So our other um person who i had welcome to come and speak as well has now just dropped off the bottom so i shall just wait and just um continue to try um to see if i can get them to join us but no i haven't got them quite at the moment so let me let me wait for just a minute So we just heard from Claire, fantastic Claire, who is a senior leader at an alternate provision. And she's talked us through her own well-being journey. She's just highlighted two things that are important to her. Her interest, she's very, very interested in connection with young people, and that will work really well for her and meets one one of her needs. And she also talks about that importance of setting time for yourself setting time for the things that do help with your well-being so again both of those two things are things that we can do for ourselves i wonder if you set time for your well-being what would you do do you do it if you are in school is that something that you would feel guilty about doing i was was talking to a teacher today um a, a young teacher in ect and he was telling me his time um, that he leaves school and to me it was perfectly fine he gets away quite often at 4 p.m um, and he's he's doing really well he's a great teacher he's planning he's sharp he's use, using the, the shared planning he's adapting it he's you drop into his lessons and 
you know, he's, he's, he's an ECT and like, like all of us, he is learning. But there's no, I would have no question. And, and he was saying, well, do you think I'm OK because I'm leaving? Do you think that that's all right? What will people say? What will people do? Because I think sometimes there can be a sec, uh, perception that he needs to be there longer. But he's clear if he's there longer, if he's working much harder, he gets in a place where he had start to get. He, he found that he was redoing tasks being a little bit perfectionist on things. And he actually then wasn't teaching as well in the day. And his his well-being took a dive. The behaviour of the children took a dive. Lots of things went wrong for him. So I was, was really pleased to hear of a young teacher who could, maybe not everybody else is so so fortunate, maybe you have a role where you need to stay longer. Te things do take you longer. So if you would like to call in, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about your well-being and your workload, then please do. Please write a message, answer us, drop anything, share your thoughts. We're fascinated to hear from you. What helps your well-being? What can you do to support your well-being? It's Friday night. It's the Twilight Show, and we'll be here on this well-being wind down to the weekend. Again, what is it that you think? What will help? What helps your well-being? Are you a fan of the all-day well-being cases? What helps you? Would you welcome? And somebody has dropped a note in to say they do meditation. I wonder if any of you would be interested in using a well-being um, script for some mindfulness meditation this evening. If that's something that you are interested in. Drop us a message. That's something that, that we can do and we can work with you on that and we can we can share that with you. Time now for a little bit of a break from you listening to me um, listening. To, and I'm going to move on to us hearing a little word from um, our, our advertisers and also hearing a little uh, bit of news on Teachers Talk Radio. So, here we this go. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. During his visit to Northern Ireland, US President Joe Biden suggested in a speech at Ulster University that students are increasingly persuaded to stay at home rather than seek careers abroad. The speech, reported in the Belfast Telegraph, refers to young people, instead of fleeing for opportunities elsewhere, can see their futures and careers for themselves that speak to unlimited possibilities here. However, the article goes on to feature comments from Anne Watt, director of political research group Pivotal, who says that whilst she welcomed the positive nature of the comments, Northern Ireland still has a long way to go before the battle to keep the most promising students can be won. She went on to say there is evidence in her organisation's research 
that significant economic migration could be worsening, not improving. The problem of young people leaving Northern Ireland to study elsewhere and not returning has been around for years, and many seem to see the President's words as aspirational rather than accurate. Ms Watts also raised the point that as students leave Northern Ireland, other students from the UK and further afield are not coming in the same numbers. The country, therefore, cannot retain or regain talent, and political instability has not helped matters. In order for Northern Ireland to meet the aspirations raised in Biden's speech, talent needs to stay at home. The Daily Mirror reports on figures released by the Department for Education, which show more than 140,000 schoolchildren were severely absent in the summer of 2022. The paper refers to these young people as ghost children and raises concerns that this pattern is continuing in the current academic year. The Department for Education says the term severely absent refers to children of school age who are not receiving a suitable education either with a teacher or homeschooling. They are usually those with attendance below 50%. The reasons for being away from school include anxiety, mental health, special educational needs and disabilities, but concerns arise around young people who are likely extremely vulnerable. Last year, the Children's Commissioner also released a report focusing on school attendance, but according to DfE figures, attendance to schools across England has largely failed to recover to pre-pandemic levels. Latest figures released by the DfE has persistent absence at 22.4%. These are pupils with below 90% attendance, although this is suggested as being a result of illness towards the end of the autumn term. According to FE Week, the Department for Education has launched a £1 million contract for an organisation to drive new T-level employment placements. The documents explain that the DfE is seeking a potential supplier to engage with employers to develop their knowledge and understanding of T-levels, as well as helping them to plan and prepare to deliver high-quality industry placements. T-level courses were first launched in 2020 and feature a mandatory placement with an employer totalling 45 days or 315 hours. There are now 16 T-levels available with another two due to launch this September. As the provision of the qualifications has grown, so has the need for placements. The DfE has offered financial support to employers offering placements, but uptake has not been high, as employers cite red tape and cost pressures as reasons the courses are unattractive. Finally, as the row over teacher pain conditions as well as concern over recruitment continues, the Evening Standard featured a report on Londoners turning their back on teaching and flocking to better paid jobs in the city. A combination of the availability of better paid jobs and the high cost of living in the capital is putting Londoners off teaching, according to school leaders. Whilst a DfE spokesperson spoke about the bursaries and scholarships on offer for those training in key subjects such as maths, physics and computing, many took to social media to highlight the issues facing teachers in the capital, such as the difficulty in buying or renting property when the average teacher salary in inner London is £47,000 but the average property price is over 600,000. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Oh, this week I'm going to talk about hidden spy cameras. Do you know who is filming you? Modern cameras can be as small as a pinhead and embedded in things like pens, 
buttons, and while researching this, I even found one built into the center of a crosshead screw. Online shopping sites blatantly sell spying devices such as smoke alarms with built-in spy cameras. There have been high-profile cases in the media of people misusing spy cameras, but as I investigated further, one statistic stood out. 11% of people that use Airbnb reported finding hidden cameras. As I continue to dig around for a UK statistic, the figure dropped to 10%. That's one in 10 people. Now, obviously, this is not solely limited to Airbnb. They just seem to be the company that has the most media coverage. So, for those of you that are concerned, my next investigation was how to detect a hidden camera. Here are the top pieces of advice I've found. You can buy devices that are designed to detect cameras. They start at about £40 and utilise most of the other methods I'm about to talk about. You can buy an app for your phone. If worried, don't buy it before you go. Some apps have a free trial period. Use that to scan the areas you're concerned with. Visual checks. Look for items that seem out of place. A clock pointing at the bed. A random USB dongle in a wall socket. Shine your phone torch at suspected items. Camera lenses will light up, helping you identify them. In the dark, a lot of cameras will use infrared to continue to get pictures. This can be seen via your phone camera. Look through your phone around the room in the dark and watch for suspicious dots of light. Please remember, if we turn this statistic around, 9 out of 10 places are not covertly trying to film you, and that statistic was good enough for very popular cat food in the past. As always, if you have a tech question, why not send it to at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was 2 Minute Tech. 2 Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back after the news there and a, and a tech briefing all about um, spy cameras, which I'm not quite sure how that fits into an, an evening show on a twilight show at Friday night, wind down into the weekend, focus on well-being. Um, and welcome to that. This is with me, Maxine Howes, on my first show for Teachers Talk Radio. And what a privilege it is to be here with you this evening um, on this topic of well-being. Our Friday night well-being wind down into the weekend this weekend. So, again, going back to um, the conversations I've been having this week with teachers about what makes your well-being better. We, we seem to be able to split this into two broad categories we can talk. And we, we had this in our conversation with Claire a little while ago, and I'd be really fascinated to hear what it is that you find most helpful in both of these categories. One category, there are the things that our schools can do for us. So what, what do you want to say to your head teacher? Maybe you are a head teacher. What is it that you want to do in your school to help staff improve their well-being, to help the teachers, help everyone there, those teachers, those teaching assistants, all these fantastic people? What can, what can the bosses, what can people in there, what can they do? So. That's one angle. The other thing is what can we, as teachers and as human beings, what can we do for ourselves? And that's where I, I'm quite interested in that. And I thought, 
as someone who was at times as a teacher in school found my own well-being has taken a bit of a battering we've been through Ofsted we've mentioned it twice now on a Friday I'm really sorry we have had some of those pressures some of those things what can we do actually for ourselves to help our well-being I think that's interesting so I'm really fascinated to hear what any of you do to help your well-being what what do you do to make yourself feel good what do you do so that you can be the best version of yourself let me tell you a few things that that i've noticed as well in this this conversations that i've been having with with some of the teachers and some of the things that i've noticed when i when i read on on twitter and and some things are actually well-being being damaged at the very worst level with really tragic consequences in some cases really really sadly and so that just brings how important the well-being of the teaching profession is and why it's something that needs to be at the forefront of um, government ministers minds in my in my opinion just in my humble opinion but i also think there are other people thinking that through at the moment so some of the common themes that that come through about about teachers one of the questions is that we looked when we looked at the Times Educational Supplement Wellbeing Report, was that point there about 58% of teachers feeling confident in being able to perform their role? So that makes us think about people having this view of, am I good enough? Am I good enough? And I wonder how many of you, when you're thinking on a Sunday evening, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Is my teaching good enough? Well, is there any wonder that we as teachers have those thoughts? Because I don't think there are many other professions where you go through quite the level of scrutiny, of observation in what you do, and you get that amount of feedback. Now, of course, that's a good thing in many respects. And we, you know, I love the, the Dylan William quote that I'm going to misquote, no doubt that is it's um getting better isn't just because we're not good enough it's, it's because we can always want to be the very best that we want to be i'm really sorry for misquoting that so there is there is value in, in wanting to get better but there's also this constant narrative about is my teaching good enough and and i think that's even worse for for school leaders is my school good enough and and i think one of the things that we possibly do as as teachers huge generalization coming up let me let me give a little bit of warning that 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 is a huge generalization but one of the things that i've found with teachers is we are people quite often who've grown up being praised and enjoying that praise when we've got something right, when we've done something well, when we've got that lovely picture that, that is um, stuck on, on our parents' fridge, when we've brought home some pasta and toilet rolls that um, to us is a, is a rocket. And we're, we're praised not because we have been kind or we've worked well, but because we've made a, you know, a, a fantastic piece of modern art that, that is only a um, short step from being in the Tate um, modern you know that that toilet roll and um, pasta creation and that we then start to tie together what we've done and what we've made with our self-worth so when we are told that 
that lesson didn't go so well or when we feel that that lesson didn't go so well. You know, we've only got 58% of teachers confident in being able to perform their role. So we've got, we, we, you know, we, we've got, got um, two, we've, we've got 40% there pretty much, haven't we? We've got, got two in five who don't think they are doing their role good enough. And if they are tying and if we are tying our good enough in our teaching to our good enough and our worth as human beings, that's hugely damaging. So one of my views, and it is my opinion, and that the psychologists, and I'd be really interested to hear if anybody else has any views on this, but that tie between what we produce and what we do as professionals and who we are as human beings, it's us that need to break that tie in our heads. And no, we are still fabulous, wonderful, worthy people, even if not all of the children actually grasped that little bit of quadratic equation or, or that were, were able to um, draw and label a diagram perfectly accurately or whatever the success criteria was or what we were giving or whether the learning was right and children can know more and do more and all that sort of stuff that doesn't make us lesser people that may mean that that lesson didn't go so well and actually breaking that bond between who we are as people and what we're worth as people and how we perform or how we're judged or perceived to be performing at work is something that, in my opinion, is really, really important. Now, we can't necessarily do that on our own. And that's where having some help, having someone to talk to, and, and Claire has talked about her work in coaching with ECTs. And also, that's something that can step into um, a more therapeutic arena. And, and that's something that people can begin to explore. But, but for me, that is something that is huge. And that as a piece of work by um, for people to, to consider as teachers, breaking that link between work performance, judgment of your lesson, and you as a person. It's a bit like when we're talking about, and I always think it's useful to share our analogies with how we speak with children. Um, we don't describe the child, we don't label the child. We, we think very much about the behaviour. It's again, that lesson, those results, those anything awful horrible judgments they aren't about the person they're about one very narrow aspect of them as a human being and they're probably not even all about the total them as a professional either so breaking that looking at the realities is something that is is really really important Something that um, I know individuals have, have helped and have, have found useful as well is thinking about the analogy of a stress bucket. So creating an image, if you're a visual person, having a think of an actual, an actual bucket and, and a great thing, isn't it? Nice, simple thing, a bucket. And that bucket gets filled up on the top with all the things that are difficult, all the things that are impacting on your well-being as a human being and and as a teacher and what you have that bucket also has a tap at the bottom a little bit like the the buckets um outside in my house that that, that are outdoors that, that are in the water that are collecting the water in the water but so when there's a downpour when there's a deluge they get filled up and 
we need to make sure we don't get to the point where that stress bucket, where that um, that that water butt in outside overflows because there's too much rain, there's too much going in it. And one of the ways that we can do that, even if we don't have so much control of what's going in, even if we really struggle with what's go what's happening around us and the things that are going on at work and the things that are going on at school, what can we do to make sure that that tap can be on as fast as it can so now Claire talked to us about her time on her own when things get a bit too peopley and, and yes how many of us when we're in schools find the whole school arena a little bit too peopley sometimes um, I think that that's something that I can certainly as much as I like connection and as much as I absolutely thrive on my connection with other human beings things can get too peopley and we need to withdraw. So that, that's how, how Claire's described to us this evening. She, she turns the tap on that stress bucket. For me, it's about running as well. And that's something, that's something that I've only discovered in the last two years. Um, I've, I'd never done it before. I'd avoided it terribly all through school. And then um, just before lockdown, so some might say that wasn't bad timing. Just before lockdown, I discovered the whole couch to 5K thing and, and discovered that actually this is a good way, not just to get fitter and lose a few pounds, but I can really see the stress benefits. And then um, lockdown came and, and all that sort of thing came and people were out exercising. And um, I, I do have to say, I felt a little bit smug that I discovered this fantastic thing of running so that that's mine obviously my other one that I have that keeps the keeps the um the, the stress bucket emptying as much as it can are my horses outdoors anything that involves getting cold wet and muddy and doing things that the majority of the population would say that's hideous horrible that that's one of the things that 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 really helps me with my stress stress bucket as well so again fascinated to hear from you in in any of the messages or if if there's anybody that would like to call in fantastic to hear what about your stress bucket what do you do for yourselves are you in the friday night meetup after work did you just rush home to get home for the friday night twilight well-being wind down into the weekend on teachers talk radio having just been in that pub are you getting ready to go out because you're going to have that little bit of social connection this evening what do you do are you in that group knowing your colleagues how important is that to you do you get to know your colleagues is that something that you are able to do do you have that time what do you do do you do that thing and try and get those what do you do what can we do for ourselves how can we help ourselves what other people do you call on to help you i'm fascinated to hear come on do somebody give us a little bit of a shout out and tell us all about how you work with your stress bucket so Time for one more little announcement, if I... This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. 
Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Okay, fascinating there, John Cat Bookshops. Be interested to see what some of their titles are all about. Okay, so I talked for a few minutes then about what can we do for ourselves? What what helps us? What what helps us with our well-being? What about those schools that we work for? So, again. One of the first things, like I said, that the colleagues were telling me was that whole idea about feeling valued, about feeling appreciated. That came through really strongly, I have to say, by both teachers and teaching assistants. So how do school leaders, how do those people in charge of schools, whether they are the, the heads, the principals, the deputies, the other senior leaders, how do they make sure that these teams feel valued what about the trust ceos the local authorities what do they do how do we make sure that schools make people feel valued and make them feel appreciated so here's some thoughts again that that i've shared and that i found out in the the last sort of week or so and some reflections some things what makes people feel appreciated simple things like a word and a thank you how many times have you, when you've done something and somebody has just taken that moment at that time to say thank you, really, really appreciated that? It's, you know, it, it helps us all, doesn't it? And we have this terrible thing um, and psychologists in the room will know way more about this than I do. We have this negative bias and this affects us in two ways. So the first thing is that when we hear messages when we hear what people are saying to us we will filter out all of the good and focus on the bad and that's the thing that we will go away leaving somebody could tell us 10 good things and if they've said one bad thing we'll hang on to that our negative bias will make us hold on to it and that's what will stick in our mind so that makes the positives the being nice the sharing positive messages the thanks that makes that even more important, I think, to have school leaders that are really good at that. What do you think? Anybody experienced that? Anyone got any good people that they've worked with? Tell us all about it. Drop us a text or have a chat. Tell us what you think about that particular one. Similarly, that whole negative bias thing, I'll tell you where else that can go wrong as well. Negative bias. We rarely bother to go out of our way to tell someone that they've given us good service in some way, shape or form. I know I can be guilty of this one and I know that I will be sometimes quick to complain and parents are quick to do that. We also sometimes as, as school leaders and I, you know, I, I still talk in that space sometimes, we might be quick to know we've got to give the bad news. So not only do our negative bias affect what we actually hear we then are more likely to hear more bad than good because people are more likely to give the bad than give the good they're more likely to complain they're more likely 
to say that something's not quite good enough or not quite as it should be. So that just makes that whole thing about appreciation, saying thank you. Little gifts, not necessarily big things. Allowing time, bit of give and take. Anything that makes someone feel appreciated. That's really, really important. That's a great thing for school leaders to do. So again, back to the wellbeing day. So I saw on Twitter this week um, somebody posting that they were having the great privilege of running a whole school wellbeing day on the training day, that there was a whole feast of activities for the staff on that training day. And some of the discussions that were going there, some of the Twitter comments, it was fascinating, actually, because there were some people saying, oh, yeah, whole school wellbeing day. We get a focus on meditation. We get we get to cook. We get to do some time. We've got some team building. Things are going together. And, and so the, the people that were, were appreciating that and seeing some of the other comments, I guess it's that thing. You can't please all the people all the time. I'd rather just do my marking. I'd rather just do my planning. Oh, my God, how awful having a whole school well-being day um, enforce fun. Um, and I just wonder, I wonder what you think. Are you the fa fan of the whole school well-being day? Have you had one? Was it fabulous? Um, I Oh, crikey, I joined a, a school this this, this academic year um, and, and worked to, to work with them a little bit. And we had the first afternoon on the first day was one of these simulated archery activities. And I have to say, if it had been tweeted about, I probably would have um, been one of the ones to say, oh, my goodness, can't think of anything worse. Fancy having to spend an afternoon shooting pretend arrows at colleagues. And I have to say that having done it, having been out there, in spite of the bruises and in spite of the, the minor embarrassment that was showed about the fact that um, I clearly have no aim and my hand-eye coordination hasn't improved significantly since my PE days. Um, yeah, it was a great afternoon. And in terms of team building, you, you have to work a bit of strategy out. You, you have to talk to and get to know some of those colleagues. It was actually pretty awesome. So I went from sceptic to, to lover of that straight away. That, that, that didn't take too long of a, of a burn for me to get into that one. I'd love to hear from you. What, what has worked for you from a well-being perspective? Anything? Nothing? What do you like? Brings me on to the subject of behaviour, of, of student behaviour, pupil behaviour. And that's another one that divides people. Um, I, I see in the Twitter world and I know that that's another subject of, of debate that is its own whole topic. Claire's talked very much this evening and, and I, I totally agree with, with some of those, those points around relationships. And there are also strong structures around behaviour. Where do, where do you sit on, on how best school leaders can support their staff well-being by behaviour? Where is, where is that? Where does the importance to that lie with you? Um, I, I've seen many schools where they have really good, strong behaviour um, systems and they have strong relationships with children and that that's built and works in a way that the teachers go in there and when when teachers go into those classrooms they they deliver and they deliver lessons and they have children that that listen that work really well with them and again what 
do you think about that? How important is student behaviour? Where does the line line that with you between your role as a teacher and school leaders' roles? Then thinking about other strategies, and it was fascinating hearing Claire talking about her initial plans and, and put her on the spot enormously, actually. When you, you've been in a role for a week and, and someone says, yes, come on, Teacher Talk Radio and tell us all about what you're, what you're, what you're doing. How are you going to make, how are you going to justify this, this salary of an assistant head whose remit is well-being? It was fascinating, actually, to hear her talk about starting to dig into policies. So there's the surface stuff. There's the surface stuff about strategies and, and some of the immediate quick wins. Um, and there might be things around workload, around time off, around being appreciated. And, and those things there, some of the behavior, some of the human things that we can do. But what about questioning those policies? What about questioning those it's the way we do things here type of policies, those things that are standard, those things that have been agreed by governors and have been there for ages. What about digging under those and having a think about those for, for workload? I, I remember um, a number of years ago, and those of you that are much younger teachers than me will be um, just, you know, you, you might not resonate with you on this one, but um, I remember very early on in my headship, obviously absolutely convinced that the best way to make sure children make progress and make, stay um, motivated is to mark their work within an inch of your life as a teacher. We need different colour highlighters. We need really good, clear comments. We need the children to be told and it to be written down. Wow. Wow, great work! And you've what you exactly what you've achieved. Be really clear to highlight it to make it clear what improvements children need to make. And I remember going to a presentation um, at, at a conference by by someone that said, "Right, marking. We need to stop that because it's a waste of time." And I remember doing one of those sharp intake of breaths. You know, when someone has said, "Actually." What you've been doing as a teacher for all these years, what, what you've been asking teachers to do is pointless. That's a really good example of, of someone that, that stopped a policy just because we've always done it. And that for me was actually a, a moment that made me think, how many other policies exist? How many other practices exist that we don't realise impact on workload and they do? And that might seem so old hat now to be still talking about marking policies when I'm, I'm sure that, that your schools will have really well developed no marking policies and they will have streamlined workload. Um, but again, how many other policies? What, what do we need to get under? Do schools need to have an assistant head whose remit is well-being? who's going to look at every single granular piece of school work, doing that thing. And I think this is, this is what I'm sensing here from, from that work with this particular alternate provision, using that approach, like the cycling team, that again, I'm going to misquote and, and get this little bit wrong, but will take a granular approach, which so is not just no stone unturned, it's actually no 
grain of sand left unturned. What do you think? How does that sit with you? What do you think? What are your views? Again, we're getting close to the end now, so you might just be lurking there quietly, not, not quite ready to talk to me, but I would really love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you said. Let's take your views. Okay, I'm gonna gonna run through um, a few questions, and again, these come from from Gallup, and they they are based on good questions that again we can ask teachers so that we can see what is being done to support and to help your well-being, to see how you are at at, at your work and how you're getting on. So these are the 12 questions and I wonder if you're thinking what is your well-being like or if you're a school leader what is the well-being of my team like here's 12 questions that can help you find out according to Gallup and this is based on studies of millions of companies not just school based one do you know what's expected of you at work again that key thing do you know what you're supposed to do do you know do you know where you stand with things? And I think linked to that one as well, and I think this is really important for teachers because quite often our tasks as teachers have no end point. We don't actually ever finish most of what we do because it never reaches a point where we go, that's good enough. And I think with teachers planning lessons, what's expected? What's good enough? And sometimes if you're not clear on that, you get some teachers who are real perfectionists and maybe reflect on this a little bit yourself. If you are one of those reflect over reflectors and you are one of those perfectionists, what is expected of me? Where is the that's good enough line? And a bit like the young ECT I was talking to today. He has found that what's good enough line and, and I've been really pleased as his, as his mentor and I, I know that his professional tutor is doing this as well to be able to actually test out that line that that what's good enough line and so nobody's saying to him to oh well we need you doing more we need more detail here we need more detail there his well-being has been really helped by someone saying that's what's expected of you and that's good enough the next one, do you have the materials and equipment to do your work right? Well, we know schools are chronically underfunded. We know that there is a world shortage of glue sticks. No, no, joking aside, because that's another thing about well-being and workload. There's lots of stuff being stuck on stuff. And, and how is that helping anybody? But that's just my own bugbear. Please shout, comment if you disagree with that one, which you might well do. But what about that idea about the materials and the equipment to do your work? What is it that makes your life easier? Does the equipment in your room that you're using on a day-to-day -day basis, does it work? Have you got someone that's back up for you who can make that work? Because I must admit, my little bit of stress this evening setting up for the first time with some listeners who weren't actually in my house. If I'm doing that with 
30 year 11s who I know might not always have the best relationship with me or I might not always be totally understanding if I can't get the board to work and get their revision materials on there. That's going to create me more stress. So materials and equipment to do your work right. Do you have that? Do you have the opportunity to do what you do best every day? Or have you been timetabled or given tasks that don't match you? Again, that's how you can judge how good your well-being is. What can you do to think about that? And what if you're in charge of a school do? Does your supervisor or someone at work seem to care about you as a person? Not just as a teacher, not just caring about what you're delivering or how well the children are doing. Do they care about you as a human being? Do they know your partner's name? Do they know if you've got a partner? Do they know if you've got children? Do they know if you've got elderly parents, a dog, a cat? Are you like me with three horses, three dogs, three geese? It's almost like a slightly faulty version of Noah's Ark if you, you come to my house. Um, five cats, actually. There's Yes, there are five now on the next count because some of them are outside. And they. Does your supervisor know that and do they care? And again, if you're a supervisor, do you know that if you're a line manager? Is there someone at work who encourages your development? Now, that's a really interesting one. And that's where there's that line between it being a real positive for our well-being to have access to be able to get better yet turns to be a negative if we think that people are helping us to get better because we're not good enough that's really different do your opinions seem to count now no one can run a school by committee and because we know this principle that you'll never please everybody all the time but are you listened to? Do things get taken into account? Does the mission purpose of your school company, if this was, does it make you feel your job is important? Now, your teachers, your job's important. That's a given. And, and I always have this joke with my husband who works in the corporate world and moves in the past. At least now he does actually work in pharmaceuticals. So he is actually moving around. Um, he works in logistics, actual decent needed items. But in the past, he's, he's just moved cheap T-shirts and handbags. And, and now what is your purpose? OK, the world needs cheap T-shirts and handbags. But your mission as teachers is huge. Think about your big school mission, though, and how does that match? And, and my my blog this week, um, last week was all about values. This week's all been about goals. Are you in tune with your school? That's another judge that you can have there. Fellow employees committed to doing quality work. Again, whilst we have this real view that we need to have a view of what's good enough and not, not pushing ourselves too hard and, and, and sometimes allowing ourselves, being kind to ourselves, it can be frustrating if we have colleagues that aren't necessarily giving as much to the cause as we do. Do you have a best friend at work? Have you got a work husband, a work wife? And again, I must have to say, at some of the toughest times in my life as a teacher, yes, it's great to come home to somebody, but it's also the people that are there in that organisation that are going through that with you. Or in another organisation that you're linked with, that connection is can be vital. Someone talks about your progress is number 11. And again, that's that whole thing about 
actually getting better, having CPD, growing as a professional is really positive. Criticism, judgment is really negative. But there is that positive growth side. And, and in the last year, 12 have the opportunity to learn and to grow. And again, they are some key things, some 12 key questions that I think are really important when we are thinking about our own well-being. And what is it about those 12 questions can we act on? And if we are school leaders, they are also 12 things for me that make good views. That's just me. Anyway, with seven minutes, six, seven minutes of the Friday night twilight show with me, Maxine House, with just six or seven minutes left, what do you think? What do you think as we come towards the end of the Friday night twilight show, the well-being weekend countdown, or the weekend wind down? or the well-being wind down into the weekend, which I should have written down more clearly so that I can remember it. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're thinking about. So as we start to draw to a close this evening, let's have a think of what, of our, what some of our key themes have been. Can I say thank you to the listeners. And I know some of you have lurked there in the on-air box. I can see those numbers that are up there. So thank you so much for listening this evening. I hope there's been a little bit of well-being reflection for you that you're going to find useful, that either thinking about what you can do for your own well-being. Where does your school well-being fit? Is it time for a change? It is before May the 31st. Is it time for a change? And again, one of the things that can be really, really uplifting, have a think about your values, have a think about your goals, have a think then about how that fits what you're currently doing with your life. That will help your, that will help your well-being. That's so fantastic. I hope you've had the chance to have some of those reflections and think a little bit about how is my, how am I getting on at school? Do they look after me? Am I teaching in the right place? And I hope there's been some really good celebration on that and you're thinking about some positive things. I hope you have maybe had some little reflections on what you can do. If you thought about that stress bucket, how can you switch the tap on a little bit faster? If you can't control the water that's coming into the top of that bucket or that water butt, as indeed through crikey March has been the wettest month ever, and those water butts outside would be overflowing. But what can you do to keep that tap going? What can you do? What can you do? Can you think about meditation? How would that work for you? What else can you do? Can we thank Claire as well for sharing her fascinating insights into her work and into her brilliant role at the Academy of Central Bedfordshire? And Claire, can I just say once again, Great plans. Really interesting to see you doing that fact-finding mission. So one of the final things before I sign off this evening, um, and I hope you are also going to be able to join at 9pm when we have the late shift and we have the fantastic, fantastic da Damon Carr 
who's going to be talking about male role models in school at 9pm. So please join Damon then at 9pm. I wondered if it might be useful just to spend a couple of minutes thinking about winding down into the weekend. So join with me. Sit back, relax and close your eyes. Picture a relaxing place like a beach, a mountain top, a forest or anywhere you find peace. Imagine what you see, what you hear and smell in your imagined oasis. Start to breathe in slowly, allowing air to fill your lungs. Hold your breath for a moment. Slowly release your breath as you continue to picture your surroundings. What do you see, hear and smell? If your mind wanders, just let it and drift back without judgment, without criticism, back to your oasis. As you take another breath, Focus on releasing any tension that you might be holding within your muscles. As you breathe out, let go of any negative thoughts from the day. Free your mind of worry as you continue to picture your oasis, your happy place. Draw from the serenity of the moment. Allow the calmness of your imagined oasis to wash away your worries and drain tension from your muscles. Visit here again whenever you like to relax and instill a sense of calm. Take one final breath in and a breath out. Let those tensions drift away. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Maxine Howells on the Friday Twilight Show, the 21st of April. Thank you for joining me and thank you to listening to the Wellbeing Wind Down into the weekend. I hope 
to join you again soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.